Good morning and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Monday, February 26th. On today's show, Trump, adult sons, and former Trump org officials appeal civil fraud judgment in New York, while Biden and Trump plan to visit the U.S.-Mexico border on the same day this week. Plus, in the excerpt podcast, Nikki Haley continues her campaign after losing in her home state of South Carolina. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a recent development in the political sphere. Former President Donald Trump, his adult sons, and two former Trump Organization officials have appealed against the $464 million judgment in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud case. The notice of appeal was filed on Monday, following Judge Arthur Engeron's official judgment. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this appeal? Certainly, David. The appeal is against both the monetary judgment and other relief measures, including bans against the Trumps from serving as officers of New York corporations for a certain period. The attorneys have claimed that the judge committed errors of law and or fact, abused his discretion, and or acted in excess of his jurisdiction. What does this mean for Donald Trump financially? Donald Trump is personally liable for $454 million, which includes interest payments. To cover the appeal, he will need to put up cash or post bond to cover the $355 million and an additional roughly $100 million in interest he was ordered to pay. His sons, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump were each ordered to pay more than $4 million back in gains they improperly received due to the fraud. What led to this judgment in the first place? The judgment was the result of a civil case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Judge Engeron found Trump, Donald Trump Jr., and Eric Trump liable for fraud. The judgment was posted to the court docket a week after this decision. Did the Trumps request any delay in the judgment? Yes. Trump's lawyers did request a delay in the judgment for 30 days. However, Judge Engeron denied this request, stating that they didn't provide a justified reason to do so. The lawyers had argued that a delay wouldn't harm the New York Attorney General's office and would allow for an orderly process given the magnitude of the decision. As we keep an eye on how this appeal unfolds, let's shift our focus to President Joe Biden's visit to the U.S.-Mexico border today which coincides with a visit by former President Donald Trump. Michael, a correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to discuss the significance of these visits. Can you tell us more about it, Michael? Certainly, David. Biden's visit to the border is a rare one. He's expected to meet with U.S. Border Patrol agents, law enforcement, and local leaders in Brownsville to discuss the need for a border agreement. This comes as he considers executive action to restrict migrants' ability to seek asylum at the U.S. southern border if they crossed illegally. Meanwhile, Trump is expected to give remarks at Eagle Pass, about 300 miles from Brownsville. He's been a vocal critic of Biden's border policy and hopes to use it as a political weapon against him. What can we expect from Biden's visit? Biden is likely to use this visit to highlight the need for a bipartisan compromise on border policy. He's been critical of congressional Republicans for failing to pass a spending package that included significant concessions on border policy. The failure of this package was largely due to opposition from Trump, 
This visit could be a chance for Biden to flip the script on the GOP, which has consistently criticized him over the border throughout his presidency. And what about Trump? What's his agenda? Trump has been escalating his anti-immigration rhetoric. He's vowed to conduct the largest domestic deportation operation in American history if he wins the White House in November. He's planning for a widespread expansion of his administration's immigration policies that would restrict both legal and illegal immigration. This includes rounding up undocumented immigrants and placing them in detention camps to await deportation. How has Biden's campaign responded to Trump's proposed policies? Biden's campaign has called Trump's proposed policies un-American, inhumane, and draconian. However, some of the executive actions Biden is considering have drawn comparisons to controversial measures Trump took while in office. For instance, Biden said earlier this month he would be open to the idea of shutting down the border to spur passage of the failed immigration bill. What other steps has the Biden administration taken regarding asylum at the U.S.-Mexico border? Last year, the administration released a regulation that largely barred migrants who traveled through other countries on their way to the U.S. southern border from applying for asylum in the United States. This marked a departure from decades-long protocol. It's clear that the issue of immigration and border policy will continue to be a contentious one as we move closer to the 2024 election. Indeed, it's a topic we'll be watching closely. Thanks for that report, Michael. Speaking of politics, let's turn our attention to the latest episode of the Excerpt podcast, where former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley's political future is under the spotlight following her significant loss to former President Donald Trump in her home state. Despite this setback, Haley has announced she will not be dropping out of the race. Here with us to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. So James, why is Haley choosing to stay in the race and what's her strategy moving forward? Haley is arguing that Americans deserve a choice in the election. She believes that if the choices are set between Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump, many Americans may feel like they don't have much of a choice at all. Her supporters, who are primarily Republicans and independents, dissatisfied with the direction of the country, echo this sentiment. They don't want to see another matchup between two politicians from the major parties who are in their late 70s and early 80s. How long can she keep this up? That largely depends on the donations she receives in the next few days. As of the end of January, she had $13 million left in the bank, but her campaign has also spent money since then on South Carolina and is running ads in Michigan and nationally, heading into Super Tuesday. Haley has stated that she's focusing on one state at a time and hasn't thought any further than the Super Tuesday contests. What about Trump? What's his focus moving forward as we move towards Super Tuesday next month? The big question everyone is trying to answer is who Donald Trump is considering for his potential vice president. There are a number of names floating around, but they're keeping that information very close to their chest. His son, Donald Trump Jr., recently dodged the question, stating he hadn't seen his father much recently due to them being in separate states. What should we be looking out for in the upcoming Michigan primary? Haley is hoping to repeat some of the success she had in New Hampshire in Michigan which doesn't have party registration at the primary, so anyone can vote in whichever primary they want. 
she's hoping to peel off independence from both Trump and Biden in that primary. Then she's on to a series of states and one territory that vote on Super Tuesday. Thanks for your insights, James. In other political news, a political operative has admitted to being behind a robocall that imitated President Joe Biden, urging thousands of voters not to vote. The call went out just two days before the New Hampshire primary. Here to discuss this further is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this incident? Certainly, David. Steve Kramer, the political operative in question, told NBC News that he used online technology to create an automated version of President Biden's voice. He sent out this robocall to 5,000 Democrats who were most likely to vote in the New Hampshire primary. The call encouraged voters to skip the primary, claiming that voting would only enable Republicans in their quest to re-elect Donald Trump. What has been the response to this incident? The New Hampshire Attorney General's office is investigating the call. They've linked two Texas companies, Lingo Telecom and Life Corporation, to the call and have sent document preservation notices and subpoenas to both. Life Corporation received a cease and desist letter from the state's DOJ, while the Federal Communications Commission sent one to Lingo Telecom. What implications does this incident have for the use of AI in elections? This case is a stark reminder of the potential misuse of AI in elections. It's a real-life example of an attempt to use AI to interfere with an election, something that law enforcement and state attorneys general have been concerned about for a while. It highlights the need for immediate action across all regulatory bodies and platforms. Has there been a similar incident in the past? Yes, in 2020, two conservative activists, Jack Berkman and Jacob Wool, orchestrated more than 1,000 robocalls. They ended up getting fined more than $5 million and were required to do community service. That was Simply Politics reporter Abby providing some valuable insights. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.